This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Friday, the 19th of January 2024. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Philip C. and Wong Xiaoning. Now, in half an hour, we're going to discuss whether tech stocks will still dominate the market in 2024. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. For the U.S., some reprieve. The Dow was up 0.5%, S&P 500 up 0.9%, and the Nasdaq up one. 0.4%. Unfortunately, over in Asia, it was mixed. The Nikkei was down 0.03%, well, relatively flat. Hang Seng up 0.8%, Shanghai Composite up 0.4%, Singapore's STI down 0.1%, but unfortunately, FBM KLCI down 0.8%. For some insights on what's moving international markets, we speak to Jeff Howie, market strategist at the Singapore Exchange. Jeff, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. If we take a look at a broader Asian markets, they didn't do well in comparison to U.S. indices like the S&P 500, uh, which saw 25% returns in 2023, while the STI and Thailand's SET ended 4 and 16% in the red, respectively. Why was there such a disparity in performance between U.S. equity markets and Asian regional markets? There was a, uh, a very strong uh, disparity in sector performances as well, Shazana. I think that is what really led uh, the disparity in the overall benchmarks. Uh, artificial intelligence stocks or those stocks that are affiliated with artificial intelligence really did lead the leaderboard last year and that really helped the S&P 500 bounce back from a rough 2022. Uh, so a lot of credit does go maybe in a way to chat GPT because that popular AI chat app, it has close to 200 million users and really uh, hit the scene last year. And this is making uh, these platforms are uh, making it super easy for anyone to talk to an AI uh, interface without coding or any fancy uh, gadgets. And this AI boom, um, so you have the awareness and then you have this AI boom uh, affected by th- affecting three main industries, hardware, software, and industrial applications. So you're automatically uh, overlapping with many of the heavy heavyweights of the S&P 500 Um on the software side, we also saw uh, growth in financial compliance software that's using AI like Inuit or Silver Lake Access in Malaysia. You have, um, on the other hand, ASEAN markets, as, you, as we said, were a mixed bag as well. Uh, they ended up flat overall. Overall, you had Indonesia, the star performer, beating the regional average, but Thailand, as we said, lagged behind. And that's been, uh, I guess, struggling with less growth than it's regional peers last year. Uh, GDP growth rates, for instance, for Indonesia and Thailand were near 5% for Indonesia, but 1.5% for Thailand. But saying that, telecoms and energy did really well in Thailand as well. So as we said, there's always sector disparity to Mm. contend with. Um, And Philip, economically, Thailand, it's dealing with low inflation, weak external demand, a slow recovery of tourism as well. And Jeff, what's your perspective on China? Because it really underperformed last year. What's your outlook this year then? Are you bullish or bearish? Yeah, I think, again, you can be both because uh, 
if if you look at the uh, China economy, it, it's grown by 5.2% last year, so it's marginally outpaced the official target. We won't know what the official target for this year is until the National People's Congress in early March. But you've got to consider that that 5%, it is the sum of all the economic parts and you really have growth remaining uneven. And that means certain segments are leading growth like the services sector, while others like the property sector are lagging. I think the most recent PMI services was very close to 53. That's uh, an expansion of 53 uh, well, 52.9, that's up a lot from 48.0 12 months prior. And I guess as an example of that segmental sectorial strength, consider that e-commerce is an important enabler of services growth. The State Post Bureau maintained the parcel delivery industry is poised to handle more than 14 billion parcels this year. That's one billion more than the record breaking last year of 13 billion. But on the other side, you have new home prices that have seen consecutive, well, I think it's seven consecutive months of month-on-month -month declines and a 0.45% decline in December. That was the largest monthly decline since 2015. So markets really are on the lookout, uh, looking for, I guess, um, bullish signals for, to, to, for structural reforms that might signal the removing of, let's say, impediments to the housing price adjustment scheme or allocation of additional central government funding for housing completion. Um, we have about 80 plus stocks here that report more than half their revenue to China. Another 60 stocks report more than 10% of their revenue to China. So we've seen a lot of the sectorial themes onshore extend to those relevant stocks here. Jeff, can we talk about Singapore banks? Last year, Straits Times Index down 4%, no thanks to actually probably the weak performance of the banking stocks. Is 2024 going to be a different story despite, uh, well, in spite of talk that global growth will slow? Yeah, we have a we have a definitely have a more lateral outlook for net interest um, margins this year, um, and and that outlook for this year did see the trio kind of uh, perform more anemically last year. That they averaged six percent total returns, uh, and have since uh, averaged declines between two and a half to three percent so far this year. And this, this net interest income makes up about two-thirds of the banking trio's total income. And, and just bear with me, I'll, I'll explain how this is working. The, um, for the first nine months of last year, the combined net interest income, it was up 30% year-on-year, basically, mostly, or pretty much you could uh, account those higher interest rates as the key driver. Um, um, the, it is... Uh, also driven by loan growth and the loan growth wasn't very strong last year looking forward to this year dbs did note that while the higher for longer rates does support the net interest margins uh, there is a likely trade-off with loan growth and the bank expects that for this year net interest income would be around last year levels and therefore net profit to be maintained around record levels so uh, around that record 2023 level so analysts they've noted that there is net interest margin vulnerability if we do have possible interest rate cuts. 
One third of the businesses of the banks, however, got to remember, is also generated from non-interest income, and that can benefit from wealth management activities. And the trio also, I think, reported their not non-interest income was up more than 20% for the first nine months of last year. So, I think what's interesting for the banks is. Uh, in terms of their performance this year, given we have uh, maybe close to 20 analysts covering each of the three banks, there are close to 60 reports and recommendations combined that when they do get regularly updated, will provide a cues for regular rebalancing by investors and trading opportunities. So obviously it's a bit of touch and go for when we do have that eventual inflection point with a rate cut. And I think um, investors might be looking to the banks more so for trading opportunities than potentially investing opportunities this year. All right. In the minute or so that we have, Jeff, let's take a look at another sector, and that's uh, airlines. Uh, Last year, regional airlines outperformed as demand for air travel and cargo skyrocketed. We saw Singapore Airlines share price return 25.2% in 2023. How well do you think they're going to do this year, given the cloud of uncertainty over the economy? Yeah, yeah, better earnings last year was the key driver for much of those gains. But most of those gains were made uh, in early 2023. Now, importantly, International Air Transport Association, they do expect total passenger demand levels in APAC to be back to pre-COVID levels in 2024. So that's very important as well. And also there's a lot of long-term growth that is going to occur here. Uh, Singapore Airlines, I guess, has warned of the capacity restoration over the industry, it may pressure its passenger yields. Uh, So that's one thing to take note of, uh, but also transportation stocks have been supported across the curve by the price of Brent crude oil, spending the majority of the time between $80 a barrel since November. Jeff, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Jeff Howie, market strategist at the Singapore Exchange, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. I, I think in his interesting perspective on if you contrast the US and ASEAN stock market, actually, you have to look at it at a sectoral level, right? And whether or not the valuations still hold and some can be still re- quite rich in this part of this region. Well, we are going to be looking uh, into more depth at at least one sector later on. It's going to be the tech sector after the 7.30 a.m. news bulletin. But maybe we can turn our attention now to some of the corporate headlines that have uh, caught our attention. We have uh, some stories coming out of the Bitcoin ETF. The nine spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds or ETFs have attracted nearly two billion U.S. dollars in investments in the first three days of trading. Uh, And we see fund giants like BlackRock and Fidelity commanding the majority share of the flows. This still isn't uh, quite what uh, people were expecting, though. I think they were expecting mm. for much more, much bigger figures. Yes. I was surprised <laughs> because even the granddaddy of all BlackRock, which everyone expected to dominate mm. the market, has only amassed $1 billion under assets under management. And I was thinking, that is actually quite a tiny sum in the scheme of things, especially when you look at how, you know, how much money moves into ETS in the United States. So is this a sign that investors are still a little bit more sceptical, especially institutional investors might not have the mandate to actually consider buying uh, alternative assets, exchange-traded funds? What's even more curious is that Bitcoin is actually trading in the red on a year-to-date basis. This morning, it's trading at 41255 US dollars. That's almost 3% down on a year-to-date basis, something we haven't seen in a long time. 
can I have the joy of saying I told you so? So because <laughs> there is this thing I said, kept saying, right? Uh, buy a rumor, sell on fact. There was a really interesting other story that actually billions of dollars those are pouring back into Binance after that historic find. So apparently traders have actually had recorded net inflows of about 4.6 billion US dollars since that deal between the US and the former CEO of Binance, Chan Ping Zhao. So it's like two different yeah. um, signals, right? On one hand, That's still right. cautious on the ETFs, but on the other hand, more money going back to Binance even after all the scandals. We're going to be keeping a watch on how all this plays out for the crypto sector. Can I, can I just cover one stock that is dedicated to Philip C. Because it's Birkenstocks, okay? So their results came out. They were one of the big gainers last year. Their IPO did really well. Uh, not well, didn't do so well. I think it was Crocs that did well. I'm trying to remember. But anyway, uh, basically earnings actually disappointed. They are saying that they're going to grow by as much as 18% to about 1.92 billion US dollars, higher than analysts anticipated but still disappointed investors who have become increasingly bullish uh, on the brand. So we did see the share price decline by as much as 9%. But perhaps, You're not buying enough, Philip. But perhaps the news that my dog has been biting on my Birkenstock and that I have to replace it much faster might actually give some lift to the stock then. Your dog is going to save Birkenstock share it will, price. It will. It <laughs> Single-handedly, is it? Single-handedly, yes. Well, uh, I think it's also probably an indication of what consumer demand is like in America, in Europe. Uh, global growth definitely biting. 12 buys, 8 holes, no sells. Consensus target price of this stock, 50 US dollars and 79 cents. All right. It's 7.18 in the morning. Let's head into some messages. But we'll come back after the break to cover more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.